Hello everyone, welcome to our midweek podcast from Villa Presbyterian Church. Trust that you're all keeping safe and well through these days. Uh, and welcome to our uh, podcast as we gather for a half hour during the week uh, to worship God. Uh, my name is Robert Hamilton, I'm the minister of the Villa Presbyterian um, and over uh, these last weeks we've been going through a series called Journeying in the Old Testament. Uh, and in this episode, we're going to continue uh, as we look at the passage of Judges chapter 13, as we think about the birth of Samson, uh, God's leader at that time, and what that meant. But as we come together in this time, let me read some words uh, from Psalm 84 as we begin. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And even the sparrow has found a home. And the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, for they are ever praising you. As we take in those words, as we recognise the joy it is uh, to know of God and to know of his blessing to us, let us turn in Jesus' name to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we look this day recognising the joy it is to know the certainty in you. To know what it means, Lord, that you are the God who will guide your people. You look to direct and show us your love in Jesus' name and we thank you for this. We pray this day that you may help us come together to recognise, Lord, that through all that we may face in life, that you truly are that answer that we need. You are truly the one uh, who we can come before and bring our needs before and they will be met in Jesus' name. We thank you for this. Lord, we bring before you all that is happening in our lives through these days. We bring before you, Lord, all the things, Lord, in our life that are not of you. Asking that you may take those things away, that, that we may know of your glory and your power in all that we may do. Lord, we ask these things now in the gracious and loving name of Jesus. Amen. Before we come uh, to our passage this evening, we're going to listen to our first item of praise. Behold our God. Rises to 
book of Judges, uh, chapter 13, that we're going to look at this evening. I have been preaching for about two or three weeks on Sunday nights, and I thought by the time I got back to doing Journey in the Old Testament, I would be getting a nice passage, and then I realized I've landed on Judges uh, for this week. We had uh, Wallace doing the book of Leviticus, and then Paul came was doing the book of Joshua, so we're looking to Judges uh, tonight. Uh, but you, I hope you will find a real encouragement through this passage as we turn to Judges chapter 13. And I'm going to read the whole chapter this evening also. 
This is the word of God. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah named Mahud from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was sterile and remained childless. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are sterile and childless, but you are going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean, because you will conceive and give birth to a son. And no razor may be used on his head, because the boy is to be a Nazarite, set apart to God from birth, and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Then the woman went to her husband and told him, A man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God. Very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he said to me, You will conceive and give birth to a son. Now then, drink no wine or fermented drink, and do not eat anything unclean because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from birth until the day of his death. Then Muhad prayed to the Lord, O Lord, I beg you, let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. God heard Muhad, and the angel of God came again to the woman while she was out in the field. But her husband, Mohad, was not with her. The woman hurried to tell her husband, He's here, the man who appeared to me the other day. Mohad got up and followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he said, Are you the one who talked to my wife? I am, he said. So Mohad asked, when your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule for the boy's life and work? The angel of the Lord answered, Your wife must do all that I have told her. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, nor drink any wine or fermented drink, or eat anything unclean. She must do everything I have commanded her. Moad said to the angel of the Lord, We would like you to stay until we prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord replied, Even though you detain me, I will not eat any of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, offer it to the Lord. Moad did not realize that it was the angel of the Lord. Then Moad acquired of the angel of the Lord, What is your name so that we may honor you when the word comes true? He replied, Why do you ask my name? It is beyond understanding. Then Mohad took a young goat, together with the grain offering, and sacrificed it on a rock to the Lord. And the Lord did an amazing thing while Mohad and his wife watched. As the flame blazed up from the altar towards heaven, 
the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. And seeing this, Mohad and his wife fell with their faces to the ground. When the angel of the Lord did not show himself again to Mohad and his wife, Mohad realized that it was the angel of the Lord. We are doomed to die, he said to his wife. We have seen God. But his wife answered, If the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and grain offering from our hands, nor shown us all these things, or now told us this. The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mehedan between Zorah and Estol. And here we end the reading of God's word to us. Let us come to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we recognize that as we come before your word, we come before a living word, a word that is for us, that as we take it in, we may know that joy of the God everlasting, the creator God, the God who sent his son into this world for us, is speaking to us, is showing us what we may do in order uh, to follow you in all that, that we seek in life. And so we pray this evening, as we take time in this word, that we may know that joy of you speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's never too early. Um, I have to give you a confession. If you're going past the months in the next couple of days, Gillian, Alistair and Julia are currently putting up our Christmas tree. Okay? Um, so there you go. Uh, you're allowed to go ahead and start now, okay? Um, and I thought when we were journeying through the Old Testament, we're really going to be building up until Christmas. And here we have a birth of a child coming to in this passage. And how many times do we come to God's word and to see the significance of birth, of new life coming into this world? And all the time, it's with people who feel it's not going to happen or they've maybe given up on having children. And here again, we see this picture of a woman who seems to be barren, yet is visited by an angel. So yes, it may be the middle of November, but we're going to have a Christmas theme to this uh, sermon as well. But let me pull out a little bit and think about Judges, the book of Judges as a whole. I got in trouble on Thursday night. Uh, one of the children, when we had finished the kids' club, um, she was waiting for her parent to come, and I started spinning her around, and by the end of it, she could hardly walk out of the hall. Afterwards, it was okay because it was my little niece, so I did know her pretty well. But if you were reading through the book of Judges, you may feel yourself spinning around because it is a book of cycles. God's people are freed by a judge. 
then they do evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then they're taken into captivity. And then God sends another judge to free them. If you think back to the book of Joshua, we see Joshua telling his people, are you going to follow the Lord? And through the time of Joshua and the elders, God's people followed the Lord. But as those leaders uh, fell away and died off, we see here that they are in need of a guide. And when there is no guide, they fall away from the Lord. And so the book of Judges is that book of cycles of how God continues to free his people, of how God continues to come back to his people. But it's not just a group, uh, it's not just a, set, a group of cycles happening. It's a downward spiral. Every time God's people sin greater and more, and every time God frees them in a greater way. Samson is the last of the God-appointed leaders in Judges. And we all know the famous incident, don't we, which proved his downfall and paved the way for his greatest act, the cutting of his hair by his wife, Delilah. But his story is much richer than that. In Samson, we see the flaws of God's people between the time of Joshua and the God-given monarchy that uh, happens through the book of 1 Samuel. And also in Samson, we see the wonderful hints of the perfect judge and the saviour to come into the world. Those hints begin even before he is born. Just notice the phrase, at the start of chapter 13. The phrase, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Sorry, Alison, could you go back to the first the slide there, if that's okay, thank you. Um, it has been a repeated refrain in the group of judges. And this is the last time it appears. But right at the end of the book, there's a phrase which appears twice in the conclusion, which says the same thing in a different way. In those days, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The writer of the book of Judges is making the point that many of the things the Israelites did were evil, not in their eyes, but in God's eyes. In other words, uh, that it teaches us the two truths about sin. It teaches us the definition of what it is. The term, the eyes of the Lord, in contrast with our own eyes. It teaches us that sin does not ultimately consist of violating our consciences or violating our personal standards or even violating our world standards, but it consists of violating God's will for us. We don't know what those rationales were, but we must remember that the heart of their sin is idolatry. The idols are not always bad things, but good things turned into the ultimate hopes and goals. When we're left 
on our own, when we trust in our own standards, we do evil in the eyes of the Lord. We recognize that through uh, this book, this picture, that when people are seeking their own ways, they go into a downward spiral, they uh, continue to create things in order to make idols in the place of God. And then here in this chapter, we're introduced to this wonderful couple, Mohad Adad and his wife, who remains nameless. We don't know what her name is, but she's definitely a hero in this chapter. We see the angel of the Lord appearing to her in verse 3. God again has begun to act to save his people. Samson is the only judge chosen before he is born or even conceived. And we see the reason for this. That uh, Mohad's wife uh, is to take a Nazarite vow to which the angel refers to. Uh, and there's three stipulations for this vow. A Nazarite was not to cut hair during the period of the vow. It was not to drink anything produced from wines, alcoholic or non-alcoholic. And it was not to have contact with any dead body. And the purpose of this vow was to ask God's special help during a crucial time. It was a sign that you were looking to God with greater intensity and focus. Keeping one's hair uncut and refraining was the fruit, uh, and refraining from the fruit of the vine were ways of showing that you were in training towards a goal. And by refraining from touching a dead body, you were adopting the stringent rules for cleanliness for priests who were not allowed to touch anything dead because they worked in God's house every day. So a Nazarite was living before the presence of God every day. It was a voluntary vow for a definitive period of time. But Samson was being born into the state involuntarily, and he was to say a Nazarite all of his life. His mother was not to drink wine or to eat unclean foods because the Nazarite vow started immediately. And when Samson was in her womb, well, she ate and drank. Samson also would eat and drink. God put Samson under this rule even when he was still unborn. He was truly set apart to God from and even before birth. And this picture then of a couple who had maybe given up on having children. The special birth points us forward to the most special birth of all. Over a millennium later, Jesus' conception is not the only one Samson should remind us of. As we look through the Bible, God has often worked in the world through a child whose existence, humanly speaking, is impossible. But God is the God of the impossible. Isaac, the son whom God had promised to Abraham and Sarah, 
Samuel, whom God would use to appoint the first two chosen kings for his people. John the Baptist, who would announce the coming of the Lord himself was born to Elizabeth. And Mary's pregnancy was impossible for a different reason. She was a virgin. The birth of Jesus is miraculous off the scale. But here, and those other examples, are many examples of God's power to open the womb so that they could conceive naturally. Each birth is something the mother was humanly incapable of, but God was showing, God was showing the outworking of his salvation promises. Something no human could manage. That he alone is the one who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. And there are two important ways in which the birth of Samson uh, um, are different from that of Jesus. First, the, the birth of Samson happened in the shadow. Uh, first, the, uh, this birth happened in the shadow of disgrace. In ancient times, a woman's fertility was a major part of her honor and dignity. Israelite women and the other births happened in the shadow of disgrace. Ancient times, a woman's fertility here we see was a major thing. But here we recognize God's promise that a Savior would be born who would defeat uh, the evil one and undo the effects of sin. Here, the birth of Jesus brought disgrace to mother and son, but we should never forget that here we recognize that God is able to work through all things that the world turns away from. And it reminds us that while the other saviors gained honor and glory in order to do their work, Jesus lost all his honor and glory to do his. But also the salvation Samson would bring would be incomplete. He would only begin the deliverance of Israel from the Philistines. Samson is the last judge and he points beyond himself, beyond the book of Judges to the one who would have the complete victory over uh, God's enemies. David's salvation was also incomplete because he, proved, he provided rest from the enemies but could not bring victory over sin of his own heart. Only Jesus' salvation is that complete salvation. Samson points us to David and beyond him to the greater David, Jesus. But also, through this passage, we also see similarities to the birth of our Savior. Moab's wife believed the word from God delivered through his messenger, just as Mary did over a millennium later. Mary's words, may it be to me as you have said, and further, Samson's mother obeyed the word from God. She accepted the need to apply herself to the Nazarite behavioral code in order to have a son who was used in God's service, just 
as Mary would put herself entirely in God's disposals. Mary's words, I am the Lord's servant. Both uh, Samson's mother and Mary trust that God will do what he had planned and promised at a cost to themselves because obedience to the plan. They show faith in God. And Mohad, Samson's father, also shows faith. We see him questioning more the messenger of God, uh, looking to see what he has to do to be right. His request is not proof that they will have a son, but help to know how to raise him. Moad is trying to get an angel to tell him the rules by which he should bring up his son. And he also offers the angel a meal in order, uh, possibly, to get the angel into his debt. And it will not give him the information he thinks he needs. The angel of the Lord points Mohad to God's glory. The Lord himself did the amazing thing. He shows his greatness. And that's what Mohan and his wife are to take in through this. And we see as he's faced with the greatness of God, what does he do? He is afraid. He does not know uh, how uh, this greatness that he has just seen, that how he can stand in front of it. And men, just look at verse 23 and be grateful uh, for your wives and ladies, because who is the person who calms him down? Mohad's wife. She talks sanely uh, to him. If the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted their sacrifices, nor would he have shown us these things. God has not come to them to destroy them. Sinful human beings, though they are, in this he shows them his goodness. God's message to them is a message to all of us. We think we need rules and we need uh, to hear uh, how to live our lives every step of the way. God does not and will not give us a guidebook for every twist and turn that comes into our life, every doubt or decision in our lives. But he gives us something much better. He gives us something much greater. He gives us himself. He shows us that he is greater than anything that we may face in life. And our call, our journey, is to trust in him. And just think that all of this happens before Samson is even born. His birth is not in doubt, since it rests on God's promises. And so the woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. Here we see God at work through his flawed people. And we see as Samson grows up, he is blessed by God and God's spirit begins to work in him. 
This is the boy conceived miraculously, chosen by God, set apart to serve him, blessed by him and shaped by his spirit. Just think the state that God's people were in at this stage, continuing in a downward spiral of sin, continue to go further and further away from God. And here we see God working through these people, sending uh, this couple, uh, a child, that would continue to help God's people turn back to him. Maybe even at this stage, they were thinking, could this be the Messiah coming into the world? The one who would come and give that ultimate victory? Samson had every spiritual advantage. He is the last judge in this book, the greatest and last hope for Israel in almost every way. As we look now at the whole of Samson's life, we again find disappointment. For as we trust in humans, we are disappointed. Samson's flaws uh, show us that even the greatness of God, we may know that as we trust in our human ways, we will fall short. And so we look to the, our great Savior, the one sent from God, born in Bethlehem, lived the life that we could not, so that we may know salvation in his name. This story reminds us that God's people need another great deliverer, the one that only God could do the one who came into this world to show us uh, the love of God for each one of us. The passage as we look to this this evening, it shows us to have faith in what God is doing, even when we feel the circumstances getting on top of us, even when we struggle to understand God's ways. We know a God who will work through them as we trust in him. We know the one who is that great saviour who we depend on throughout all of our lives. Let us come to him now in prayer. Lord, we thank you as we take this time this evening to recognise that you are the one who continues to work out the salvation that we need that as we look to this human story of a couple, that you bring a child into their life. We recognize, Lord, that you are the one who is able to do the impossible. You are the one who we can trust in through all that we may face in life. And we thank you for this. We thank you for your goodness and joy that as we hold onto the promises of Jesus, we may know they are true and certain, that they will never be taken away, and we rest in them this day. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
That last item of praise, a well-known praise to us uh, through lockdown uh, that I know many in the church enjoyed listening to, is He Worthy. As we uh, come to the close of our podcast, we want to take some time now to remember one another in prayer. So let us come before our God again in prayer for others. Heavenly Father, we gather through these days knowing the need that we have for you, knowing that it is in your power and glory that we may rest. And so we come through these days asking, Lord, to know uh, of your hand upon us in all that we may do. Lord, we lift up before you those who are dealing with loss in these days. We pray, Lord, for those who continue uh, to uh, mourn the loss of loved ones, who, Lord, are continuing to find a new rhythm in their lives. We ask, Heavenly Father, that your hand may be upon them, that they may know what it means to seek and to follow you in all that they may do. Help us, Lord, to rest in you in these days. Lord, we come before you at this time asking to be with those, Lord, who are dealing uh, with ill health at this time also. We ask, Lord, that they may know of your guiding hand upon them, looking to direct and help them, Lord, in all that they may do. Lord, we pray that they may know of your power and your glory working in their lives. Lord, we lift up before you um, all in our church family in these days. We pray, Lord, for just the busyness that our lives have and ask, Lord, that through this time, through this Advent time, that we may know of your hand upon us, guiding and directing us in all that we may do. That we may know, Lord, of that love that you have for us and that joy it is to rest in you. Lord, we bring before you our world in these days, asking, Lord, that uh, in the, the time that we live, that we may know of you looking to guide and direct us, that there may be that sense of your hand upon this world in all that is happening. We pray, Lord, for those who are, are, are uh, caught up in conflict, those who feel lost and afraid, those with nowhere to turn. Lord, help them seek and follow you. Help them to recognise you, the way, the truth and the life. To know, Lord, that you're the God that when we trust in you, we will never be disappointed. We will never, Lord, have that sense, Lord, that our lives are empty and forsaken. And Lord, that in you, we have true and lasting leadership. Help us know this, Heavenly Father, through all that we may do in these days. Lord, we bring this all before you now, in the gracious and loving name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you all for listening to our podcast uh, and uh, may you know God's blessing throughout this week ahead. We close together with the words of benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.